Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod, brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. And before we start, we just need to give a special shout out to the winners of the Guinness Come As Rivals, Leave As Friends ticket giveaway. Abakan Rugby invited rivals Risk at RFC and Lanrahan to join them at the Guinness Six Nations game in Cardiff at the weekend between Wales and Italy. They normally all play each other in the Welsh Division 3, but they're on the same side at the Principality Stadium and we'll have plenty more of those ticket giveaways coming along during the rest of the tournament. So a big thank Thanks to Guinness again for their support. All right, but Abakan. I but. prefer Riska. Yeah, but. Lanharan, but. Clanrahan. Clanrahan, but. Mate, you are. You blow my mind. Uh, well, I'm a quarter Welsh, so oh, I, d- I don't like to admit it, but my grandfather was from uh, Pontypridd. Is this a revelation? Have we heard this before? Uh, like I said, I don't like to admit it, but Wales are better than England now, so I'm Welsh, <laughs> aren't I? So how's your week been? Uh, I had an amazing Saturday. And then it all went tits up yesterday, didn't it? Sunday, because of Eddie. Um, we'll get to that. But Saturday was good, wasn't it, Jim? We did a co-coms, a alternative comms. For Rugby Pass. In the bin, in the bunker, on the bench, whatever we're going to call it. Yeah, enjoyed it. For Rugby Pass, for the Ireland against Scotland game. Yeah, so we are. It's an alternate comms. We're going to rename it, I think, because I don't know whether alternate comms is what we want to call it. But we were. We were watching the game at the weekend whilst talking about other topical conversations Ruggers. on YouTube. So we're going to push it out there now. Now we've ironed out a few of the creases. But um, no, it was good. Needed it. Had a bit of a shit week last week. God. Yeah, as we know, had to... Had to put the dog down. Mm. Poor old Bruce. Yeah, it was uh, a fucking tough couple of days, I'll be honest. Yeah. So did the podcast on Monday, and he's been fine. I mean, he's, he was 12 and a half. He was, uh, I can barely talk about it now. <clears throat> 12 and a half, so that's a good age, right, for a boxer. Mm. And a dog that's, he's, he, I was going to say done a bit of damage. That's probably the uh, <laughs> probably the wrong way to, to put it. Um, he's had a few issues throughout his life. Like he's, he's, He had a plate in both his legs. He had a tumour removed off his head. But he was fine, 12 and a half all good and then literally just took a downward spiral like I said to you 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 had a dog and who had a good innings as well and then I genuinely didn't think like I said I said on the Monday I said I I rang my mate slug and I said got to put the dog down I reckon in the next few days and then as I said it like I knew it but as I said it I can start getting all emotional as I said it and then what's wrong with that why I don't know you've got emotions James yeah but and look you know and, and the listeners all have had bigger things happen in their life I'm sure so I've not really had that I've not really had anyone close to me pass away and and, and this sounds it might sound a bit harsh so me, me, me granddad passed away about four weeks ago but I didn't really know him like I hardly knew him at all like we didn't have a relationship or whatever and I was upset by the situation for my mum hardest day of my life was put, putting Bruce down it's horrible on it really Tuesday is. I was absolutely devastated and, and the you know and once you, you know he, he was put down or it, that wasn't the end of it I'd tell the kids as well yeah. so yeah I didn't realise how tough it would be so he left a big void and I'm alright now one of my memories of Bruce was your epic stories about your travelling up and down to Edinburgh where you're going to live and all that stuff and the one that took about 17 hours to get from wherever you went you went and I forgot the fucking dog was in the back <laughs> he was snoring away mate <laughs> bless him it, mate he had a good innings to be fair yeah. so we're alright now we're alright about it but um Needed a bit of ruggers yeah. to get me through. So we did the alternate comms. I'm sure we'll come on to the, the rest of the rugby. JG had rugby on Sunday. Stowe, we're playing Long Levens in Gloucester. Oh, Proper I'm, game. I'm speaking there. No, I've spoken there. Mate, good all, rugby all, team. They're all related there, aren't they? 
Well, apparently so, mate. <laughs> apparently so, mate. It was good. I tell you what, I should give a shout out, right, to grassroots rugby because I don't coach. I go, I take JJ along and I watch him play and I watch the involvement of the parents and stuff like that. And it's a proper setup, not just from Stowe, but all the other teams that you go to and then they play the tournaments or whatever, different age groups. And then after, you know, if you're away from home, you get a free hot dog. But I've got to give a shout out to the coaches at Stowe because that's where JJ is at the minute and the amount of work they put in into the kids and, and how much they care and the discipline that they instill uh, and the teamwork and all the values that go with rugby that have been in question over the last kind of few weeks, Goody. I, I, I stood back on Sunday and thought, this is brilliant. Regardless if JJ and his mates become top-level rugby players, in terms of the values that it gives them growing up. So, it means a lot. Yeah, it, it does, yeah, yeah. I realised something on Saturday night, actually. So I went to see Jimmy Carr and he is hilarious. So he puts smiles on people's faces. And I say what I think on this podcast... And so there's there's someone that's politically correct, and I'm not saying I am or I'm not. There's someone that isn't politically correct, and then there's Jimmy Carr on a whole different level. <laughs> he was unbelievable. Some of the stuff he's saying, it's just not repeatable in in public. So yeah, he was he was hilarious. Uh, Who so is your favourite comedian? Uh, Jason Manford, yeah. Northerners. I like Northerners. Mate, I like They're quite Northerners funny, as aren't well. they? Yeah. Um, so Jason Manford, Jimmy Carr's up there. Mate, Ricky Gervais for me. Yeah, he's very good. Actually. I think he is hilarious. So uh, that was Saturday. And then Sunday, I was uh, at Flatiron Square hosting for Guinness. I saw that. Were you uh, wearing leggings? Or not? No, no, no. Just uh, skinny fit jeans, okay. mate. Okay. Right. I, <laughs> um, I don't know whether with the, your body shape, no. which it doesn't matter what I think or say, yeah. but I'm not too sure that leggings, They're not leggings. suit that. They're not jeggings. Oh, they? okay. Yeah, no, I got some, you know, good feedback. Put the picture up. Someone was like, the goat is well dressed. The goat. <laughs> I think, I, think he, I, think, I think they're taking the piss and giving me a compliment, but I can't work out which way it goes. But yeah, I had Ashley at uh, Flatiron Square to do a Q&A pre, pre-France versus in, England. Was he in denial about his house? Yeah, massively, he, massive yeah. denial. He's like, mate, 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 what are you on about, mate? I mean, why is everyone... It's just an investment, isn't it? It's a house. I've got a big house and I live in Wigan and I've got... And Nigel pays for me teeth as well to be done. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, he was, he was on good form. I asked him, you know, obviously his investment that he had with Nigel Ray was the tipping point does he feel any guilt about Saracens getting relegated and he said absolutely fucking not he's got a big house in Harpenden and he plays for Sale who are playing in the um, Premiership next year so, so that's, that sums him up you mentioned his teeth there I don't think there would have been any complaints from world rugby even from different planets if it came out that Nigel Ray had paid for Chris Ashton to get his bag of chips teeth done <laughs> and sorted no everyone would have been like fair enough Yeah, no, you he can, needs it you can have that one on the salary cap so you know, he's on good form and uh, the less said about the game the better really wow we should talk about the game we should Sean Edwards how has he had such a big effect on that team in such a short space of time tweeted it of course I did 14 minutes 35 seconds into the game and I said the defence wow and what I should say also as well is because I am an expert to the, all the haters out there um, and sometimes I do know what I'm talking about and I said that I was going to take the match pint predictor serious this Guinness Six Nations and that's what I've done to the point where I had question marks when I looked at the England team before the game was about to start that I actually changed my match point predictor from England by five to France by four well can we also go back to well we'll talk about it then you're such a expert what happened before Ireland against Scotland I've got Ireland to win by eight and we're doing the comms together. And what did you say? Well, I had Ireland by seven and then Goody got me head. So I changed no, 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 it, I no, changed no, it no, Ireland no, no, to 18. No, 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 no. We've rocked up to do these comms and you were like, this is going to be an absolute hosing. Ireland are going to absolutely dominate Scotland here. And you convinced me that Ireland were going to win by 20. I thought they were. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. So I'm I changed not, it. Yeah. Stupidly, I listened to this clown, I changed it, and you cost me a load of points in the match point predictor app. Well, I'm sure we'll come on to that, but we you mentioned Sean Edwards. That's why I changed it. That's my point. That's why I changed my match point predictor because I saw him on the field. Let's just say he was wearing a beret. I saw his eyes. I felt his eyes. And I thought this guy means business and I'm sure we'll get into it. And I've got no shame in saying it. I looked through the French team. I'd recognize some of their names from the under 20s World Cup. When you've seen them, you you hear whispers about some of the players and Goody, you watch more of the top 14 than me. I'm thinking, I don't know half of, these team, half of this team, but I know Sean Edwards and I had a funny feeling that France might do it. And my goodness me, did they rock up? And that's what I tweeted. I said the defense, just wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, he, he's a guy that, is your perfect international coach, I think, because the rollickings and the rockets and the extra that he gives players. The emotion. He, yeah, he gives 10 or 15% extra to every player in what he does and how he speaks to them and how he coaches them. And you just grow as a player. That doesn't necessarily translate into a week-to-week premiership or Guinness Pro 14 coach because they're the toughest jobs that you're doing it over 52 weeks. As an international, you come in and you give a load of intensity and direction to a team. France have always had undoubted ability, individual brilliance, and things have questioned on them are their desire, their defence, their willingness to work hard for each other. And, And that's all the guaranteed things that a Sean Edwards coached team has in their DNA. There's been a lot of chat this weekend about the fact there's four new head coaches in the tournament and how it takes time. So Andy Farrell maybe can't have an impact straight away. Is the reason that Sean Edwards has because of the simplicity of his his message or... You know how, how does he have that effect so quickly? I think his role in the team, I think the fence is one of the easiest ones to fix in terms of skill set because you get to that level, most players can tackle, but it's the unity, it's the work rate off the ball. France, for me in the World Cup, look very good, but we never got a real gauge on them. Varmahina got red carded for the elbow. Uh, the game against England was cancelled. So we never really got a gauge, but France looked better at the World Cup. They looked leaner. They had a kicking game, which is something they didn't have before. But for me, the foundation still, as the game is now, and it will be going forward forever, is defence. Because you get a gauge on the mindset of teams. And we've seen France before when there's a line break, they're waddled back, you know, maybe because they're not fit enough or because emotionally that's where they lose interest. Whereas at the weekend, the collisions, and we, we saw two tries from England, Johnny May, which for me was an individual brilliance. Apart from that, their defence close to the line, when there was a box kick in the air, they were literally grafting. And all that is down to, my opinion, Sean Edwards, because playing in France and watching how French teams play without a Sean Edwards as coach, you don't see them doing them things because it's not in them. Because it is UA. And three things happened for me uh, as to why we got to the result. Maybe four things happened to me. Firstly, the Sean Edwards factor for France. Like, he's a phenomenal coach. Anyone that's been coached by him knew that he'd have that sort of impact. And we've, t- we've talked about it on here, haven't we? I'd still love to hear some of his coaching in, in French. Cause, uh, Give us some what you think he might have said. Aggressivity, fair on bar. Fuck, get off line. I mean, I mean, alley, alley, alley. Fucking smash him. Anyway, he's doing all that. And he's had a phenomenal impact on them. England Rugby Union, you could have had Sean Edwards as a coach. Yeah, I mean, but John Mitchell's done really well in the day for them. No, I know, but what I'm saying is, why don't you want to get an Englishman like Sean Edwards to coach England when he becomes available? Maybe you don't like Eddie Jones. I'm just just, oh, just saying. Oh, no, 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 oh, I'm oh, just oh, saying. Oh, oh, oh. That probably brings you on to your point. Well, it does. Eddie Jones, secondly, um, Eddie Jones, yeah, mate, we're going to be the greatest team. We want everyone to say we're the greatest team in the world ever, mate. And, you know, we're going to show this French team what fucking Test Rugby's about. Brutality. Physical brutality, mate. Yeah. All right, mate. Write their team talk for them, Eddie. Well, that's what Gregory Aldridge 
said after the game. And I had an interesting fact that Gregory Aldrete, yes, he is Scottish somewhere along the line, was born in a place called Condom, which is in France. Oh, he's not born in Scotland? No. Condom. Who is born in a place called Condom? Well, I, I, I didn't think that was possible, if you think about it. Well, they're well protected there. <laughs> His dad's name's Terence, though. That's pretty Scottish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so apart from the, the team talk that Eddie, Eddie wrote for them, where did England get it wrong? Well, my point was his selection. Mm-hmm. And I'm sat there going... I don't want to. I'm not individually bagging players. Well, you are because you you tweeted about Marrow, mate. Marrow is a millionaire. Sorry, is, well, sorry. A, I didn't, one I thing didn't. That we have learned is he's got a lot of money, but he's given penalties away for fun, mate. He weren't. He, he gave was, away, mate. He gave away right. about four penalties. Do you not think he played well? He Be played, honest. I'm, being, I'm asking the question. All right. Played all right, but right. You, you're going to see at some point he's going to get pinged off the park because of his discipline. But my point is with the players. So yours isn't picked in the second row, and Jim, you said you didn't see that coming at all. No. Nope. And didn't think he should be in that mix. No. Nope. Eddie Jones has picked a match day 23 with four second rows in it. One's playing six, obviously two second rows starting and Cruz on the bench. Yet he doesn't manage to pick a number eight in the team. So Curry, who actually I thought had a pretty good game away from his control at the base. He wouldn't have played number eight had Billy Vanapola not broken his arm a couple of weeks ago. And Eddie's like, yeah, mate, he's my long-term project at eight. He's an unbelievable six or a seven. That's It's ludicrous that you'd even think that. Where did uh, Courtney Laws play in the World Cup final? Second row. So why don't you just leave Curry and Underhill at six and seven and, bring and pick a number eight? Look at Aldrey playing number eight. He was ridiculous. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, He was phenomenal. Yeah. The last thing he said after the World Cup final about the 10-12 axis, he should have dropped George Ford for the final and should have played Farrell at 10. And what was coming with France was very, very similar to what we faced in the World Cup final. So you haven't thought about what you're doing, Eddie. And, you know, you can make an argument Slade's injured and you know, other players, but you could see we kicked aimlessly. You know, Ford's kicking the ball away and it's going 20 metres too long. Easy catches in the 22. I couldn't see where our attack was coming from. I actually think, I, I tweeted at 24-0 down, hashtag Eddie out. And it's a bit of banter around... Every Arsenal fan used to say, hashtag Wenger out. But Eddie is, you know, you've got to hold your hands up, Eddie. You've got a lot of things wrong. I think you've selected the wrong team. You're playing players out of position. And, you know, off the back of it, that happens. And you've given France their, their team talk. So the fourth thing is how good the French were. And it hurts me to say that. Because we know on here that the French and I aren't great friends. But they were phenomenal. And I'm sure we'll talk more about England and, and what you think about their selection moving forwards as well. Uh, we spoke about Sean Edwards. Jim, any credit for... Fabian Galtier or... Yeah, definitely. I mean, the glasses. Yeah. I mean, are oh, they... How I, good. I, I saw them in training. I didn't know whether they were some, you know, ones that are video in training from yeah, the coach's what, I perspective. Gen- I generally thought the same thing when you see it before the game. But maybe that's what it is then. No, I, I just think when you sat in the stands, he's just picked he's, those glasses yeah, he, to wear. He, he's showing off. I think Fabian... Some coaches aren't suited to week in, week out. Because I think like Udi said, you, you, and maybe with Sean Edwards, the effect that you have on and the way that you speak and interact with the players you get bored or you lose interest or you've heard it all before. And I and maybe, you know, that's what it was with Fabian. Let's look at his track record. Sack from Montpellier, sack from Toulon, two of the biggest clubs in France. And then, as French as it is, he gets the head job off the back of what? Being Fabian Gautier, being a world-class scrum half back in his day. So for me, the biggest thing that he's done right is bringing in Sean Edwards, but also you look at the profile of the team. I mean, that's a ballsy decision to drop some of their best players, their biggest players, biggest ball carriers, biggest personalities, and actually bring a load of young lads into the team and, you know, make a, a guy captain who I have never even seen. Charles Olivon. Olivon? Never seen him play. I'll be honest. I put my hands up. I have never seen the bloke play. Made him captain. You're thinking, hang on a minute. Next thing, he's scoring tries for fun. And he was one of the most experienced players in that pack. Like the second 
least experienced pack in the Six Nations ever. Yeah, mate, unbelievable. So, you know, fair, play, fair play to the French. Je suis Francais maintenant. Non, 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 non. Marcy. You know, you look at Vincent Rattez on the wing. He literally looks like my mate Kovskin. He could, he could sniff out a drive from mile away, that kid. Mate, he's got a great sense of smell. Yeah, he's just a good great sense of smell. What, what I'm looking at him, and genuinely, he looks like my mate Kovskin Jace, who works for Britfast filling up the bottles in the factory. He looks like him. And next thing, he is literally running around like he, a madman. He's good. Though. I've commentated on Larishella a fair bit. He's good. He's good. And, you know, people talk about the, the final result and, you know, the fact that England had a good second half. Two bits of magic from Johnny May. The only shape that we really put on an attack was Johnny May's second try, where they go out the back a little bit. Elliot Daly puts the ball on the edge and, oh, my wheels. I mean, the chick, he was like, down the touchline. And then Teddy Thomas playing touch, Boothier's playing touch as well. What about his kick? Oh, you, tell me, there must have been wind. You ain't kicking it that far when you're about thirteen stone. When you catch a spiral and you catch it as sweetly as you can, it can go that far. My goodness, but me. there might have been a bit of wind, but I don't want to say. I just want to say that's an unbelievable. Is kick. that one of the best kicks you've ever seen? Yeah. And when things go your way, he's on. He's two meters from his own try line. And when things go your way, the bounce of the ball just keeps right. And you can see George Ford hairing back for it, and it just beats him, and it's about five metres out from the try line. But, you know, everything was going for them. But England didn't help themselves. So, you talk about Johnny May, two unbelievable finishes. But when he's seen the kick go up, Marrow is about three yards offside, gets the charge down. Nigel Owens didn't see it. And then he just stops. Rattez just pushes him off. That's your first mistake, because he's like... He thinks it's a knock-on. And everyone, you know, JJ must be taught on a Sunday, play to the whistle. It's one of the first things you get taught. And not Eddie Jones said after the game, oh, I thought Nigel blew the whistle. No, he didn't. The whistle was nowhere near his mouth, Eddie. But then the second thing, Rattez pushes him off, gets the ball, feeds it to Olivon, and Johnny May stops again. Like, he'd have definitely got him. He wouldn't have scored if Johnny... And Johnny May just stopped. He's like, the, the, he, the, the chicken was not... He was, laying an egg. he was laying an he egg. He was laying an egg at that <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, he was, yeah. mate. Yeah. So we didn't help ourselves. And I actually think, and I'm going to be pretty honest here, no. as a humble Englishman, I think the fact that we scored those two tries masks how bad we actually were. After the game, I know the soundbites you get from the England players are, oh, we played better in the second half and we got to, you know, we got to take that into next week and improve on training field. And, but I think it disguises the fact that we were abysmal. I, I watched it. It looked like there was there was nothing there. That that's that's what it looked like, and there was no plan B. Yeah. So, you know, especially when Manu went off. And but that's the thing: if you're, you know, England, you go back to the World Cup final. If we don't bully teams, we ain't got plan B. Scotland two years ago, Scotland bullied England, didn't they? At the breakdown, yes, we did. Didn't have a plan B, and I don't know whether that's because the players aren't allowed to think for themselves because Eddie's such a strong personality, or Farrell and Ford run the show, and Ford, you know, I don't want to be horrible. <laughs> Shouldn't be in the team. We will get onto that selection in a second. But one of the interesting things that Eddie said was that they deliberately came in late because of the amount of club rugby that the guys have been playing. Um, and he admitted that they might have been underprepared. So he hasn't admitted that he got selection wrong, but he, he has admitted that he got preparation wrong. Is that something that you think was the case? Or, I mean, have you heard anything out of out of the camp? Or I mean, the facts are there that, that you know, that a lot of the boys have played a lot of rugby since the World Cup final. But you take them to Portugal, as you always do, pre-Six Nations and the rumours coming out again it, we looked flat in that first half didn't we he's flogged them again he wants to take training to an intensity 
that is above and beyond international rugby. So it's actually easier to play international rugby. The difference between Premiership rugby and international rugby, that's what he's trying to do. And that's what he's always said he's trying to do. Well, that's what New Zealand do, don't they? New Zealand manage their own players. That's what I mean. So their century contract, it's just around the corner. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's said. not. It, it ain't. I think it is. Um, but then what you can't do is have your cake and eat it. I mean, I can. I, I have a lot Please of cake. Please don't. Uh, but... You can't have the players playing that much rugby, coming to camp, and then flogging them again, and then expecting them to be flying into a, a test match away from home. You know, you've got to look at yourself. And that's what I've written a, a piece for Rugby Pass today, and you know, Eddie's got to hold his hands up. He won't. And he said one of the most ridiculous things, and I'm, I'm going to quote Eddie Jones. He was asked a question, are there going to be significant changes in personnel and mindset with next week's game in mind against Scotland? Eddie's response, mate, the result of the game won't affect selection. Selection will always be we pick a side that wants to win. Who doesn't want to win? Scotland want to win. They don't, but they, they want to win. Why would a result like this change your 23 for the next game? I really don't understand the question. Mate, it sounds like Michael Checker. Well, it's, more pre- than Eddie Jones, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? You lose and you play badly. Uh, Eddie, you're going to be asked questions about your selection when you've picked... Players out of position. You don't understand the question. You don't like the question is what you mean, Eddie. And you don't like being questioned. And we praise Eddie at times. The New Zealand, the, the performance was amazing. And even you said it. He was a genius, didn't you? Matt, I've warmed to Eddie Jones. I really have. But there, there's one glaringly obvious thing that is his Achilles heel. And it is his team selection. And it's almost like he does the polar opposite of what the media and what people are asking for. Yeah. Almost to prove a point. That's what it seems to me. So he, by the sounds of it, will stick with Curry and break, won't nah. he? Nah. I mean, here's the thing. He shouldn't, but you just know with Eddie Jones, he'll, he'll do what he wants. So, who knows? I mean, the only number eight in the squad, out and out guy that could play number eight is Ben Hill. Oh, yeah. Um, and he wasn't involved but, in the but match. But he's not out and out number eight. This is the thing. No, he's, but he, he only scrums at number eight. Yeah. So, the, he's got the control at the base, which is a, clearly a micro skill. It is. And that's the thing. England didn't, you know, Curry played exceptionally well away from just the skill, in my opinion, of being a number eight. He's a world-class player. Yeah. Play him in his rightful position. But when we had scrum dominance, which we did, we didn't earn enough of that scrum dominance. We didn't get enough penalties because of our control at the base. And that was the only thing that Brian Moore said on comms that actually, I was like, actually, that's a fair point. Keep yeah. the scrumming. Old school. Yeah. Um, um, and Ben Young's was bang average without being horrible. He, he didn't play very well at nine, did mate. he? So that eight, nine, ten axis just, you know, just didn't. And that's such an important axis in a team. It just didn't work. This is how quickly the game moves on, doesn't it? England were in a, in a final against South Africa and they were phenomenal with Ford at 10, Farrell at 12 against New Zealand. Phenomenal. Whereas now we're looking at it and you are, we're questioning who who's going to play scrum half. We were talking about that. Who is the next nine to come through? Ben Spencer, arguably. He's got Dan, Dan Robson. Yeah. But they're not rolling off the tongue in terms of names. And then the other one for me, the big, big one for me is centre. And you let Nick Tompkins, who's been carving up, and this is, the, this is Eddie Jones. You let Nick Tompkins, who's absolutely carving up for two, arguably three years, go and play in Wales. Mm. And you, who have you got now? So, so who have you got in the centre with X Factor? Well, you look at, well, this is the thing. You look around the Premiership. Now, Slade would play every day of the week in the centre, right? If he was fit. So he's out. Uh, he's argued that Noel could play in the centre. He's out injured. You look around the Premiership and we've lost Manu. Around the Premiership, there ain't actually that many centres. So mm. why didn't he try and pick Nick Tompkins, who's been carving up for Saracens? Matt, I, yeah. Why did and who? I heard a rumour that Joe Marchant has gone off to play for the Blues and it's Eddie Jones who wanted him to go there. Eddie Jones who told him, mate, you should go and do that, mate. Not Harlequins. Harlequins didn't want him to go from what I heard. It's all been pushed by Eddie Jones, Um, which, you know, long-term development for him. He's got a great experience under his belt. What do you think of moving Elliot Daly to... I mean, Elliot Daly 
he he will say his favourite position is outside centre, and that might happen. And you know, I would I'd suggest it. I'd I'd play with him at outside centre. He he can be quality. He's played there, I think, for Saracens this year. Well, that that's in what, one game or something. So with Elliot Daly, that's what I always remember. His point of difference was was that overs line yeah. that he took. That's yeah. where I've always said with a kicking option. Yeah, I mean, I've also heard that Eddie. You know, Ben Youngs is now on ninety six England caps. If he plays in every game in the Six Nations, he gets to 100 caps. And that's a phenomenal achievement. But I've kind of heard that Eddie's basically guaranteed him that. No, he hasn't. Uh, it's from it's rumours from the... What, why is it's it, what, no, no, hang on. It's, don't stop. It, it's rumours, what? It's rumours. He's not going to reveal his HP or his daddy's or his... Who's the mole? Other... Is this his guy at Prem Rugby again or not? <laughs> hey, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, and Ben Young's had a, he's had a phenomenal career. He's not played well for England or Leicester. I'm going to say... Without being too harsh, a year. Danny Kerr's had a fallout with him, and you can see that he's just not ever involved, um, and it's it's not on form. And then he hadn't tried anyone else until you know he, he brought Wiggy back in for a little bit, and then he brought Willie Hines out the blue. Willie Hines out the blue before the World Cup, and so I'm saying now we're playing Scotland this weekend. Willie Hines, to me, respectfully, isn't a scrum half that you have on the bench to come on and change the game. He, he can control a game. So personally, I think you should start Willie Hines and have someone like Ben Spencer on the bench because you can't, in a six-day turnaround, you ain't going to bring someone in from outside the squad. And I don't think he'll do it anyway, but I, I generally believe there needs to be a shift there. And you mentioned the biggest thing for me, and I, I find it bizarre that the Guinness Six Nations laid out like this. So England play in Paris on a Sunday on a six-day turnaround with travelling back from Paris back to London, then London up to Edinburgh. Mate, what, what can you change in, in six days? You fly back Sunday night, maybe. I don't know what they did. And then Monday, you can't really do too much training. It's all about recovery. I don't think they were in VIP like we were with Kenya West after we um, got 30 points put on us by France. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm just I, got I'm to get speculating. Better. Lads, lads no beers. got to get better in training next week, all right? Must, must get out there. Six o'clock, meet me on training park. <laughs> so on the basis of that, he probably isn't going to get Don Brandt in. He probably isn't going to get Ben Spencer in. What do they do? They start with Willie Hines. They start with Devoto, do they? Do they start with... Oh, I, I think... Uh, and I'm, I've said this a million times. Owen Farrell is our captain. He played at 12. He was poor at 12. Let's not beat around the bush. Man, they're given to crash the ball. Yeah, up, mate. he ain't a 12. This is my point. He's not a 12. He looked lost at the weekend. And why For the did, first time ever. Why did he look lost? Shirt. Yeah, why did he look lost? He hasn't played 12 since the World Cup final. I personally think you've either got to drop Farrell oh. from 12 and say Ford, is, you know, he's, he's my 10, or you've got to drop Ford and say Farrell's a 10 and you've got to play Devoto there. One uh, youngster who did make his debut was uh, George Fairbank. How do you think he went? Yeah, poor bloke. Um, well, he's not poor. He's 25 bags rich. Yeah, I know. I, the first half I felt for him. Um, the conditions weren't great. You know, he's, he's come into the game. We spoke about how France approached that game and how good they were. I think there was an up and under that went up quite early on that he dropped. I mean, the ball was slippy. But I thought the second half he was really good, to be fair. And, and that's one bit of praise I want to give to Eddie Jones is the fact that he kept him on we've seen him yank players off before and you thinking that could have potentially happened well, he didn't really have an option though did he no, well I mean Manu goes off injured early yeah. and then you've only got another centre on the bench well I'm glad he stayed on because yeah. he, he he did warm into the game like naturally and, and we didn't get to see him really at what he's, what he's best at and that's in broken field but Wowzers, there's a baptism of fire in Paris, young fella. And uh, keep the tash. That looks great. Mate, he pulls that often. I said yeah, that the other does, week. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know whether that was a piss take, but actually it's all the cool kids are doing it now. Yeah. So, hey, are watch you, this space. Are you going to... Yeah, my chin's not great. I might not. I might not. <laughs> but it's uh, a good little tash. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought my beard hid my chins, but it doesn't, does it? No, I can no. see the, th- the third or fourth one yeah. by Adam's apple. Yeah. One player who did come off the bench, a uh, friend of the show, Ellis Genge, was he lucky to get away with that hit on Entebac's standing leg or I'm intrigued by Jim's response to this because as a kicker 
oh, like he knows he knows what he's shaping to kick there. Yeah. And he, he's like, I don't care. And actually, as a kicker, you stand in leg. We used to, and I'm, you know, I'm revealing things now, it doesn't matter. When we were at Leicester, Harry Ellis you always used to say, I'm going, going for go standing for his leg. leg. Go for his leg. And he's like, because knees can be done horribly like that, can't they? Mm. Um, but, you know, they're saying it's a timing issue. He could see off the bench, and he's the ideal bloke for it. We needed a bit of anger. We needed a bit of hard ball carrying, hard hitting something. Because we didn't have it, did we? No. How much does Mako bring around the field that people just take for granted? And when he's not there, you only saw the difference when Genji starts doing stuff. Man, I love Genji. I, I, I thought it was... The timing was literally spot on. A millisecond after, potentially, he's getting a yellow card straight away. He's doing a Jim Hamilton. Um, but Matt, I love him. And, and I thought he made a massive difference. I mean, the speed and the power that the baby rhino produces. Jeez. Imagine getting in front of that. Mate. We've given France credit already. We've spoken about the personnel changes that you think Eddie should potentially make. But England did have a lot of possession. They had, I think, 65% of the territory. They spent eight and a half minutes in the France 22 compared to not that much from France. They didn't take their chances and they seemed quite ponderous, I suppose. I mean, is that is that a coaching thing? Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing with Eddie Jones. Turnover of coaches, how many coaches want to coach under him? Simon Amor, we said it on here, he's in the England system, he's the England Sevens coach. I don't know, I might be speculating, but I don't reckon they could. They got another attack coach and they went, Simon, this is your opportunity. And I might be being harsh there. What, hang on, you're telling me one of the best teams in the world couldn't find an attack coach? That wanted to work for Eddie Jones, possibly, yes. All right. I'm like, you know, I speak to agents. Of course you do, friends. <laughs> Club you know, owners. A- agents represent coaches. <laughs> They're like, don't go anywhere near that. I, I don't know. Why is Steve Borthwick leaving? Why did Paul Gustard leave? It's an intense environment under Eddie Jones. And some people have got a year under him. Some people have got two years, three years. Some people don't want to work for him because they know what he's like. And some people would love to work for him. But they obviously haven't found a suitable candidate that has a depth of attacking experience in 15s and Simon Amor's there. So our, our attack, and I'm not blaming Simon Amor, when you don't get on the front foot because you're getting physically dominated, it's so hard to then generate front foot ball. And so you end up being static. So Ford and Farrell were static. Farrell drops a couple. You know, you're playing in the rain. And it everything transpired to create more pressure on us and give France momentum. So yeah, we put one shape on, I think, in attack really. And Johnny May ends up scoring from it towards the end of the game. We were blunt. And we've got to be a lot better against Scotland and I'm worried. It's fucking coming home. No, it's not. not. I'm not going to say it this week. You mentioned Scotland. They lost in Dublin, Jim, but they got a bonus point. Does that mean they were out in Copperface Jacks or? Doubt it very much. Under 50, mate. Doubt it very much. Um, I tweeted after the game. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, just putting it out there to the millions. And I was well happy with the performance. I was because... You know, we were joking about it. I thought they were going to get hammered. I, was, I wasn't harsh in the lead-up, but people were asking about Nick Haining playing number eight, who was at Bristol, second or third choice at Bristol. He's been brought up to play for Hashtag Always Edinburgh, not his first choice, behind Bill Matter, um, Magnus Bradbury, who was injured going into the game. Then you've got Nick Haining. He gets fast-tracked into the team. Rory Sutherland, we haven't seen a lot of him either. Stuart Hogg's first or well, second game as, as, as captain, no Finn Russell. So there was a, no Darcy Graham. So there was a load of things going into the game where I'm thinking, this ain't going to look good for Scotland. They started off and they got out of the blocks and they were phenomenal. Uh, they were physical. Uh, they carried hard. They were fairly accurate in every part of the game apart from the breakdown. And to be fair, if it wasn't for players like Josh van der Fleer in the back row, CJ Stander obviously made a, a big turnover. Arguably, I don't think it was a turnover. I thought it was a penalty for Scotland in um, one of the last plays of the game. 
that's the best I've seen Scotland play in a long, long time. In the second half against England, uh, down at Twickenham, where effectively won the match, um, was the last time I've seen Scotland play that well. And I, I, again, this is the hard thing, and this is the hard thing for Scotland fans and for people when you tweet it, should have, could have, would have, but you can only go based on the performance. And I thought they, I thought they played really well. They had a huge amount of territory and possession, Scotland, and spent a lot of time in the Irish 22 didn't take their chances. Adam Hastings has, has got quite a lot of praise, but did they miss Finn Russell for those moments of magic in those areas? Um, I thought Adam Hastings played really well. So there's a lot of pressure on him going into the game. The narrative's all around Finn on the booze and not being in the squad and you're missing your one of your best two players. Hoggy's obviously your best player with Finn Russell. And of course, you know, Finn is a, he's a magician. Adam Hastings showed a real level of control that, and I don't know whether it's purely down to him. Tactically, I thought they were spot on because you've seen Scotland play from everywhere at a million miles an hour. And when it comes off, like it did that pass by Finn Russell over the top against England, fine margins, they go, Hugh Jones makes a break, they end up scoring. Brilliant. With that also comes a load of errors. They were getting into positions. You know, they, they, they were attacking the edge. They were, you know, offloading well, but at the right times. They're making the errors once they get into the danger zones. Five metres out from the try line. Yeah, and that's not Finn Russell. You know, Finn Russell ain't going to fix that. There was knock-ons, there were, and a lot of it was forwards, wasn't it, in reality? Yeah, it was I'd, a break, I'd say. No, it was a breakdown. That's yeah. exactly what it was. Like, yeah. I had nothing to do with the backs. Yeah. And that was the frustrating thing for me, where you saw Ireland, the arrogance that they had, and, and, and fair enough, rightly so, they won the game. Instead of taking the points, they've kicked to the corner, come away with a try. We, we obviously take the points, and we try and build the score. We get three metres out from the try line, two or three times, turnover so close man so I, I think for the, through the whole 80 minutes I think Scotland were the better team in most facets of the game and you know Josh van der Fleer came out after the game and said that is the hardest game he played they took a load of injuries Doris what yeah. a horrible KO yeah. that, that was a horrible knockout and yeah. yeah. um, Kilcoyne as well when he came on uh, Tyg Furlong's got he's, he looked pretty serious back of his leg hamstring right. exactly um, Peter Omani was, was, was cut up and, and, and bruised that was a physical game for them it was interesting to see Ireland's sort of shift in thought process as well because like Jim said they started the game with a penalty you called it arrogance of just going to the corner and it well, when, it's a lack when, of respect but yeah, not, when, when we were, chat, when we were yeah. chatting about it you, you said that just shows where Scotland are in terms of what other teams think of them you can kick to the corner and probably score a pushover try or whatever instead of taking three early points now they were obviously doing that to, to lay down a marker they score a try from a pretty neat uh, advantage play when Murray steps out and loads of decoy lines and they go out the back and, and Johnny Sexton scores but then in the second half they changed it they kept taking the three, didn't they? Because mm. they're like, shit, we're actually in a proper game here against Scotland and we could lose this. And that's why I don't want to say it, but I'm nervous about this weekend. Shit. I don't think it's coming home. You don't? Well, it's coming home, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm saying it like it's coming home. It's not. I'm not like saying it's coming home. Well, definitely. I bet you're not, mate. We've won two years in a row. So you mentioned um, Josh van der Fleer there. CJ Stander got man of the match um, and had a good game. But how good is van der Fleer and what, was he the difference? Oh, mate, I, I said before the tournament, we, we did a, an interview with Match Pint. Most turnovers in the tournament, I went for Josh van der Fleer. Van der Gewers. Van der Gewers, here we go. And he is Irish, yep. believe it or not. My old uh, Josh van der Fleer flop. And uh, he was brilliant. I, I, I genuinely think there was, there was hardly anything in the match and argued, well, the back row, I think. I, I thought the Scotland back row played really well, but the breakdown, we just couldn't get a gauge on it. And, and, and Reynold, I, I mean... Know, no, 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 no. I know, he didn't Stay, have a great... Uh, onside, onside, get your end... Oh, no, it is No, okay. it doesn't matter. Five metres in front, it does not matter. Because <laughs> it's Scotland, it does not matter. Uh, but he, he wasn't great for both teams, and, I, and I'm not one to, to bag the ref. Goody's normally the one to bag the ref, but he wasn't great. But it doesn't matter. They, they had 
loads of opportunity. You know, the, the Josh van der Fleer's turnover in the first half was completely fine. No problem whatsoever. So you can't argue with it all, but I'm, I'm gutted. But I'm also proud, proud of my team going into week two against the English because I know we can do it. I know uh, we can, can do, do it. it. Nah, can we, do can, it. we can do it. Can he do it? Can he do it? Cut this fucking... No, don't do that. Don't do that, but we can do it. <laughs> what, what I will say is, and you talked about the breakdown, it's not just the back row's responsibility. So it's a collective team responsibility of a team thing. So, you know, backs have to stick their head where it hurts as well. Talking of backs sticking their head where it hurts, Johnny well, Sexton went down oh. holding his head at the end. What, what do you make of that? I did tweet about it and it was an honest tweet. If Johnny Sexton trolling, uh, mate. you're trolling. No, 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 I'm you're asking. horrible. You're trolling. No, I'm just. You, you said I hope he broke. Well, yeah. No, I didn't. I said I. I asked the question. Has Johnny Sexton broken his jaw. Just asking. And uh, oh, horrible, mate. A lot of people came back at me, and and uh, to be fair, Nin- someone, nineteen points he got, mate, and he played very well, and he did, and it was his new lady gone for the John Cooney hair, and look what it did for him. Um, I don't like stuff like that, and uh, that horrific. And unfortunately for for Johnny Sexton, is it unfortunate for him or not? It's his choice. He has got a liking of staying down and doing that. And I saw a clip on social media and someone slow-moed it and it was from ITV. Hamish Watson tackled him and he did clip his jaw. Did that warrant him staying down uh, and doing what he did? Only he knows that. Mate, and that's why I asked if he broke his jaw. He yeah. might have broke his jaw. We don't know. It's not come out yet. Okay. But he, mate, he might be sitting there now with two plates in his jaw. And just to correct things up, he didn't stay down. He was sat up and he basically fell over, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, that's the th- sort of thing. And I, I did a, a column on it for rugbypass.com again at the turn of the year about respect in rugby that's the sort of thing that I think is way beyond what you can do and what you should do there's a line of appealing and asking for things that is you know you see some of the memes and, and the gifs on footballers getting a little touch and then going down rolling around the floor holding their face we're not at that extremity but that's the, one of the worst things I've seen on a rugby field in terms of trying really? to get someone. Well, he's, that's up there with Hujo. You remember Hujo? Yeah, but Sexton got hit like he did. Oh, like this mate, is not to. I like Johnny Sexton. You know, we're we're pool friends in in Portugal. That's not on. Mate, you I, I call it on here. I, I mate, like Johnny, and you, you, you know, he shook my hand when I was over in Dublin the other weekend. But never again. You ain't. You can't do that, Johnny. You, no, 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 no. But yeah, I mean, it's only it's a sideshow thing of the game, isn't it? I mean, had no bearing on. Let's just say we Scotland won. It feels like we won the game. That's how I feel. So let's say we won and we're going to go two from two against the English on Saturday at BT Murrayfield. I can't wait, pal. Well, both Scotland and England will be looking to get back on the horse at Murrayfield this weekend after losing in round one. And we can have a chat now to the man who captained Scotland to victory in the Calcutta Cup there two years ago. John Barkley joins us. How are you? Guys, hello, how are you? You sound very jolly, John. Give, give us the scene. What, what's your day been like today? Uh, a double rugby today, uh, which I managed to get out of one session. So that was quite nice. Wise. Uh, yeah, oh, it's about being smart good, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know it. You know. It. I mean, so you're happy that you only did one session today? And No, I would have been desperate to be out there with the boys, but the physios made the decision that one session would be better for me today. When you're 36, you can only do one session a day, can't you? Amen. How's international retirement treating you then, pal? Obviously, uh, it was the first game of the Six Nations that you've not been involved in uh, since your retirement. How did you sort of watch it? How, how, what were the feelings like? Uh, honestly, it was, you know, I think when I retired, it was a little part of me that probably thought I wondered if I'd done the right thing. But yeah, I just watched the game and just there was no element of that. I just enjoyed watching the boys, just enjoyed having having no pressure and just getting to watch it and be, and be part of, I guess, being a Scottish fan again. So for me, it was awesome. When I watched it, I actually thought, I genuinely thought there's no way I could play 
in one of those matches now, looking at how how physical it was. And John, when we look back at the game at the weekend, and we had a few conversations in the lead up, I was asking you about Nick Haining in the back row, Rory Sutherland playing loose head, and I think for the first time ever, I'm questioning if it's going to be a pants pulled down scenario for Scotland, um, because who knew? Like you, genuinely, you can only go off what we saw at the World Cup, and you were a part of that, and the high expectation that we've had for Scotland in the past going into week one of the Guinness Six Nations and for me they put in one of the best performances under Gregor Townsend so how optimistic were you in the lead up to the game against Ireland and then when you look back on it now how good a performance was that? Yeah, look, I think you look at it off the, off the back of the World Cup and some uh, a bit of a new team and new coaches so you're never quite sure what, what to expect I think you know, like I said before, you know, I'm, I'm essentially a Scottish fan, so I'll always hope hope they do well. But, you know, I was I was a little bit worried in terms of going over to Ireland. We don't have a great record there. But then watching the game, I thought it was awesome. I thought the performance was brilliant. The way we played, uh, the physicality was, was ridiculous. So uh, I just enjoyed watching it, to be honest. Uh, and I thought, I thought it was a good performance, but definitely one that kind of got away from the boys a bit. Because I tweeted about it after the game and I said I, I was proud of the performance, which I don't normally do. So if it is a loss, I'll pass judgment really on them topics by saying that I thought the team did really well so you know valiant in defeat as it were but I genuinely thought it was and I had a load of people who were telling me hey that's where you are now John when you get to 100,000 followers or close to so um that's the one thing when I played and that that sort of valiant Lucius tag used to just absolutely break me and that's something Scotland to get away from you know and the guys that have been involved for a while Hoggy you know Hamish these guys that have been around and been involved in a lot of sort of brave losses that's a tag that you don't want to have and you've got to get away from it and eventually you know you don't have long in this game you've got to make sure these these close losses are, are not sort of becoming a common thing and they, you've got to be winning these games and you mentioned brave losses you know lots of brave heart chats going to come out this week I'm sure it is um, but Jim just mentioned that was one of uh, the greatest performances under Gregor you still lost Jim so let's be honest the greatest performance under Gregor I think watching from a distance was two years ago Mr Barkley uh, and it was when you were captain and it was when England came to Murrayfield as big favourites and you absolutely hosed us at the breakdown you got about 25 turnovers but before the game 26. Oh, 26. Sorry. Before the game, you and Ryan Wilson were causing all sorts of trouble, weren't you? Going after Farrell in the warm-up and in the tunnel. Can you tell us a bit more about that now you've retired? Uh, I've told you before, I, I genuinely don't know why. I don't know what I said. I know Wilson was involved, as he normally is, up to no good. Um, uh, he's always at it. Wilson's always at it. It's just unusual to get such a nice reaction from it. And then, obviously, with the big rivalry that, that is England and Scotland, especially when England come up to Scotland, we're going to see a lot more of that this weekend, aren't we? Uh, we saw what the French did in, in terms of bullying us at times, and you're expecting more of the same from the Scotland team this week. You saw Hoggy pumping the fists around, getting the crowd going. There's going to be a lot of passion out there, isn't there? Yeah, this, this, is, the, this is the biggest game in the Scottish rugby calendar for two years. You know, it comes around every two years, and I think the last couple of games, especially, you know, the game at Twickenham was ridiculous, and the game at Murrayfield was... You know, for, from a Scottish point of view, was was sensational. So the game's got a bit of extra meaning now in terms of the way it has gone, and I think England will be, you know, pretty pissed off at the last couple of years of it. You know, let's talk about them being a bit pissed off about uh, the behaviour at the the Rugby Awards. So a couple of years ago in Monaco, so there's there's a little bit of sort of uh, niggle there, a little bit of sort of uh, ill feeling, which is good. Let's let's not shy away from it. It's good to not have this sort of beige. Uh, media, social media, going. Let's let's embrace a bit of rivalry, a bit of niggle, and let's let's see what happens. John, let's not talk about beige because you spoke about the end of season dinner. There, I heard that Ryan Wilson was wearing a beige suit with a big sweat patch up his ass crack, crawling around <laughs> on his hands and knees, pretending to be, be a cat, screaming meow. <laughs> Is this what you've heard? Can you tell us what happened there? Well, why would pe- people be pissed off with Ryan Wilson? Did you say Ryan Wilson I- or not? 
I didn't say you said Ryan. No, no, I said Ryan Wilson. So, so him, I've yeah. named and shamed him in his beige suit, um, shouting. <laughs> what was he shouting when the awards were going up? I don't know. What did you hear? I just heard he was shouting bollocks every time that one of the England players <laughs> went up uh, to, to get an award. That's why they don't like him. So Exactly. Deny, deny. Um, deny, deny, reaccuse. One thing I wanted to ask about, and you, and you mentioned Hoggy there, and, and Goody mentioned how fired up he's going to be. Obviously, he's captain now, but we've got to talk about it at the weekend. He dropped the ball over the goal line. There was a game earlier in the season, the big one in the Guinness Pro 14, yourself against Southern Kings, had a similar situation that went unnoticed. I mean, I, I'm Maybe sure... Everyone would have been watching that, I'm sure. Mate, everyone was watching it, mate. They were. I was, I was on COCOMs Just that day. Just for the comms, right? Yeah, just, yeah, of course they were. So you've been in that position before, but not in that kind of magnitude of arena. Like, you know, I'm not being horrible to BT Murrayfield when you're playing Southern Kings, but, you know, Hoggy, world-class player, he's absolutely devastated. How do you think he is after that? How is he going to come back? Yeah, look, I messaged him after the game and just said, mate, look, you know, you, you essentially cost the team, you know, potentially four points, if not two. And if people don't understand that, it's because they kicked the points off the back of it. You know, really in touchline conversion. At the end of the day, I really believe that Scotland had many, many opportunities to score. And that was probably the least of the, you know, when they look back and review the game, that would be the least of their worries. The fact that Hockey dropped the ball over the line. They, they put themselves in a, lot, in a lot of good spots. But yeah, Hockey will be good. He'll be, yeah, it's one of those ones you have nightmares about for a while. Mate, he'll come back definitely. Um, we've spoken about it and on the phone when we chat about ruggers, but also in games gone by, we've been in games and stuff where we've been valiant in defeat and almost felt like it didn't feel like a win. But I was so happy with the performance that Scotland put in at the weekend. Tweeted about it and and got a little bit of hate on the way through. Of course you do because we, we lost the game. But when you look back at the game, it is one of them games that, that got away. Could have, should have, would have. How do we change them games to wins? Like we've been in so many of them before. You know, ten years ago when we played down in, in Wales in 2010, that famous game. I think you scored two, I scored two. Walked off the field three minutes ago. <laughs> we're, we're winning by we're winning by 13 yeah, points. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and then we go on to lose the game, and we were valiant in defeat there. So people are saying, well, the we've lost how much pressure do you think Greg is under I think pressure is always there I think this is becoming very much more of a business than it used to be uh, and it's a results based business so we played poorly in the World Cup uh, and this is the next big tournament so yeah I think you know the players are under pressure always the coach is under pressure and I think he'll be you know there'll there'll certainly be uh, a bit of extra pressure going into it but I think that's just part and parcel of the job now he fully expects it there's probably a lot of external pressure from you know media I was probably talking about this ads yeah, that pressure because it gets people talking about it again. So thanks for that. And Gregor listens. And Gregor's a big, big, big listener. Huh? Yeah, he is. Jim's just horrible. Um, John, I want to talk to you about your area of expertise, the back row. First and foremost, you mentioned the game against the Southern Kings earlier. Obviously, the bin juice, the shags, whatever you want to call them, you were in that team that day uh, because the whole Scottish back row was from Edinburgh, weren't they? Uh, Hashtag always, yeah. Haining makes his debut. Um, so my first question is, are you going to get a game when they all come back? Because obviously, you know, three, three internationals and Bradbury <laughs> makes four. Uh, secondly, what did you think of your back row's performance? And thirdly, looking ahead to England, what about Curry playing out of position? He played really well, but the balance of the back row is key, isn't it? And I think Scotland have got it pretty spot on. What was the first question? Am I going to get a game again? Probably not. Oh, mate, you will. Benetton away. <laughs> Benetton away, cheers. They're they're all, they all matter, they're all big games. Yeah, this got, mate, this guy's back row, brilliant. Uh, and, you know, I think you've seen Hamish Watson's qualities for a number of years now. Um, Jamie probably towards the end of the World Cup, uh, I thought was probably Scotland's player of the World Cup. I'm not sure how much that's, that's saying based on how well we played, but he was genuinely outstanding, I thought, in that Japan game. Uh, and then Nick, you know, a bit of an unknown, unknown quantity and then came onto the you know test match scene and played outstandingly well. So Maggie's there, who's played well all year. And I think they've got a nice balance. But yeah, going on a bit on the, on the England back crew, I thought, I kind of felt Tom Curry's getting a bit of flag here for 
playing. I thought he played very, very played outstandingly well. He was physically carried the ball well. He, you know, he was great in defence. But because because he's not a number eight, he's getting a bit of stick, and that's that's just the nature of it. And I think uh, I think he'd probably rather be back on the flank. And uh, I'm not sure what happened this weekend. I don't know who they've brought into the squad or if they've brought anyone in. Mate, Eddie says no, mate, no, mate. John, there's a lot of talking points as well. Um, and there have been for the last couple of weeks surrounding Finn um, and him not being in the squad again this week. Adam Hastings obviously played very well at the weekend under a lot of pressure in the shadows of Finn. Uh, what do you make of the whole scenario um, with Finn? Obviously, our best player in recent years, our best player in the in, in the two England, let's call them victories, uh, because we've got the Calcutta Cup still. But, yeah, they um, found victories. Yeah, exactly, especially last year. But how big a void has Finn left, or do you think it's at the point now where it almost seems irreparable until him and Gregor sit down and, and sort out the beef? Because even if Finn is on the bench, he makes such a difference either way. I mean, is that relationship completely broke now? I mean, what are the rumours up in Scotland? Uh, you probably know the rumours as much as me, Jim, and that's that's genuinely me not trying to sort of deflect it. We don't actually know what's been said, and I've tried to sort of not ask too many questions because it's all just speculation. Until we actually know what was said and how it was said, it's kind of all just speculation for us. All I know is that, you know, you've got Finn, who's one of the best players, I think, probably in the world, the way he plays for Racing, and it'd be great to have him available for Scotland, but... He's not available right now, and I think probably Adam handled the situation as best he could. He's, you know, he's been given a start right at the start of Six Nations, so he's the man in charge at the moment. And I thought he played, I thought he played quality the weekend. He looked confident. He didn't look flustered at all by the game. So I think if you're gonna, if it's gonna happen, if the situation had to happen, it was better to happen a week or two before the first game, and it gives Adam a good run at training and to, and to be that guy who's calling the shot. So I'm trying to find sort of positives where there probably aren't any, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's gonna pan out to be honest. And John, we spoke a bit about uh, two years ago when you, you starred, uh, particularly at the breakdown, and about the pre-match stuff. But what about the post-match stuff? Uh, there's quite a few shots of, uh, of Greg and uh, Finn as well. Um, tell us a bit about the night out. Yeah, that's one of those ones. That in the morning, I woke up and I that video had already gone viral by that point. And my missus was going, that is... You don't. That's disgusting. You don't. You don't drink like that, do you? And I remember I was. I'm about sort of half a foot out of shot with my shirt around my head. Wise, <laughs> very wise. Gone. Very wise. Always know where the camera's pointing, Goody. Exactly. Mate, deny, deny, reaccuse. Say no, no. That was you, Haley. Out. That ain't me. That's <laughs> yeah. you. And breathe it. And breathe in as well. That's what I always did. Breathe in and don't show your ball spot. <laughs> I mean, because I, th- I think you know it did go viral after the match because. I mean, and naturally, you got the lads singing the anthem. We've just won the Calcutta Cup, and I think some people maybe thought that we took it to to the extreme with the celebrations. But it's the game of the weekend, arguably. How big a match is it? One for the players, but secondly for the country to win the Calcutta Cup again. Yeah, I, I, and I wish I kind of wish it wasn't such a big deal because if it wasn't, it would it would mean that we were you know we're winning you know tournaments and and trophies. But I think regardless of that, I think you know Scotland England is a massive rivalry. It always has been. Uh, it always will be. Uh, and it's the biggest weekend in Scottish rugby for a couple of years. And I don't think there's any point shying away from it. Let's, like I said before, let's embrace it. It's, it's big. Let's not try and play it down. Let's not, you know, uh, sort of uh, sterilise all kind of social media and comments. And we've got enough media managers. Let's, you know, let's play it up. This is, this is a big game and it's, it's, it's even bigger this year. And what do you think is going to happen, mate? If you were to put your money where your mouth is, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. Oh, is he, he's he's <laughs> Scottish. Of course he's not. He's tight. Yeah. Um, what's happening in the game? Who's going to win? Scotland by 34. Yeah, I mean, oh, yes, mate. 34. <laughs> by that's a 34. Weird one. I mean, it's going to be a route. Are you that confident? 
<laughs> no, I think, it'll be, I think it'll be tight. I don't know. I have no idea. I think it's going to be a tight game. I hope Scotland play like they did against Ireland because uh, I, I think I put it in, in my column for rugby. Part. I just think this is uh, Scotland have to be in these games right at the end and they give themselves an opportunity. And they did that in Ireland, you know, 78th minute. They were parked on the line. Uh, you know, could have, should have, would have scored. So, I'm, yeah, they, I'm know, the offsides. Don't start on that. I'll get in trouble if I start talking about that. French referees, uh, mate. Yeah, play on. Um, yeah, I, look, I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to, to be there to watch the game. It'll be an unreal atmosphere. I, I, I believe, I think Scotland will do it this week. It'd be nice to have the Calcutta Cup, you know, third year in a row. That'd be quite nice. Yes, good, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, tonight. no, it wouldn't Gilton. be very nice, actually. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll nearly finish on that. The last question I'll ask you then, John Barkley. You've captained Scotland. Um, if you manage to get a independence vote again, would you, do you want an independence vote? And do, you, <laughs> do you want it? You're so political, yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I see you on Twitter. <laughs> Mate, John, we can discuss this on Thursday night at the live show in Edinburgh, mate. Looking forward to it. Thanks, John. Thanks ever so much for coming yeah, on. And uh, congratulations on a, on a great career because we haven't spoken to you since you uh, retired from international rugby. So um, good luck moving forward as well. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. Great good lad. lad. Great lad. Good lad. Yeah, he's not as miserable as, as, as Sin. Well, he's, he's Scottish. He's not. Listen to his accent. He sounds Scottish, James. Does that mean he's listen, more Scottish than me? Listen to, yes. Listen to your accent. You are English. Mate, he was born in Hong Kong. He's Chinese. <laughs> We'll not mention China. No go there. No, that's no not there. mate. No. But we will mention Wales and Italy. Forty-two nil. Dead rubber. We will go on to talk about Wales and, and Wayne Pivak and how well that era has started. But how disappointing were Italy? Oh, yeah, they were. And there's the old thing with Italy, isn't it? They start well and they 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 muscle up. They front up the emotion that they've got and they normally dwindle in the last 20 minutes I was angry with Italy because mm. I had Wales by 28 points and it was with about 10 to go it was 28 nil. I'm thinking yeah no, just have, <laughs> let's have a really garbage 10 minutes and then my Guinness match point predictor would be spot on and then it was just try 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 wasn't it Nine yeah. nine. I mean we won't go into it too much but the chat around promotion and relegation isn't going to disappear with performances like that is it well, it, no. But then I saw a load of stuff on social media over the weekend. I saw people talking about it should be a five nations. And I'm like, no, because it doesn't shorten the tournament. And you're talking about people like, oh, for player welfare, you want to shorten something, like, make it a five nations. How, thinking back now, how boring would it be? Not boring, but you've got the six nations where everyone plays every weekend. Five nations, there's one team sat twiddling their thumbs. And then, you know, I know it's what we have done before. But also, we want to grow the game, don't we? We don't want yeah. to close it. Now, nah, let's go back. Scotland are the current Five Nations champions. <laughs> you <laughs> Must are, be having your part. You are, actually. So, yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a topic of conversation, especially, you know, when you don't even break the bagel and it's 42-0. I don't think it can carry on. You don't think... I think there should be... A, maybe the, the next step, the, the obvious step, is what we've spoken about a bit, is the playoff game. I think that'd be great. Wayne Pivak got off to the perfect start. Did Did you see signs of of him having a different style to to Gatland, or is it too difficult when he when you play in Italy? Yeah, I, I don't think we we know yet. But this is, I, I think, this is the best thing that could have happened to Wayne Pivak. You have a game against the Barbarians, and all the emotion that comes with Gatland there at the Principality. You win that game, and then you've got Italy first up, and you're thinking, right, it'd be nice to have a bit of a dogfight, learn a bit about ourselves, and you hose them forty two now. And I'll tell you one thing. Bigaroo through the legs, mate. I mean, what a beaut. Mm. That, uh, mate, I love Bigaroo. I know it's, people say, oh, it's only Italy, but bigger. And, and you see that oh, I've been in this position as a 10. When you know that there's loads of question marks over who's going to start and who's going to be on the bench or whatever, he's clearly Wales' first choice 10. Anscombe's injured, as we know. We had him on the pod a few weeks ago and he's out for a, a decent chunk of time. Bigger knows. You give someone like that the confidence knowing you're the boss at 10 and you've seen what he's done at Northampton, how he plays. He's that 
effervescent character that's in the referee's ear that's dominating everything and then you pull off bits of magic like he did and you know through the legs what, could you think genuinely now if you stood up would you be able to see through your legs or yeah not? 100% I don't think you would I don't, I, I don't think you'd be, you'd be able to see even past of your would, belt right? buckle of course I would I wouldn't be able to get it through the legs because the you know the the bum bag and Nick Tompkins had a great debut off the bench do you start him this week yes I thought it was phenomenal um, and he got an early start to the game this is the thing I think sometimes when you're in our position and you're and you're banging the slipper about certain players and you can be blinded by by love and I've talked Nick Tompkins up for, for for seasons do you love him I love him as a player mm, okay yeah. that's fair yeah I love him as a player and uh, i got quite a funny story on him actually go on then so in 2016 when I was at Saracens in the glory days um, the houses does it, the lot. does it still count no uh, Nick Tompkins who I thought back then was a quality player and arguably should have started some games and he did he started this game against the Scarlets in Europe I was playing I don't know how let's just say I was vice captain as well let's just say I was captain we're in the team meeting. I think Brad Barrett goes down um, and one of the other players goes down. Marcelo Bosch, let's just say that as, as a point of reference. Nick Tonkins gets drafted in to start the game. Comes up to me because I'm vice-captain, reeking. He, like, went, he went out in reeking? Mate, he, he could have went out in reeking, but he's definitely been out. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, mate, what? He's like, I was out last night. What do I do? I was like, well, what time are you out? And he's like, well, mate, three. Like, should I tell the coaches? I was like, mate, No. Here's the chewing gum. Don't say anything, mate, but I'm glad you've came over to your skipper and <laughs> tried to clear the air. And I'm looking at him, so I'm getting changed um, before the match. He's opposite me, like giving him the wit. You can see he's a little bit shady. Goes on to have one of the best performances um, of the season at Saracens as a player. Gets man of the match. Let's say he got man of the match and scores a try. He was phenomenal. He's been doing that now, not for one season. Two. He's been doing it for three or four years now. Yep. And this is the thing where I find it tray bizarre that England haven't picked him up. He's playing at Saracens English Club, regardless of what's happened, and he's been carving up. Slight guy, rapid, is understanding his skill set of the game, but his contact skills of not dying, and you, and you saw, you didn't really see that at the weekend. You saw his passing ability, you saw his wheels for his try. Mate, I tell you now, and I said last week, he's an outside bet for the Lions. You did say that, James. You did say that. Two questions mm. on that story. He's coming into the changing room, and he's looking around, and he's going to think... Who's going to be in the same scenario as me at some point in their career? Who, who all those? Oh no, Jim Hamilton. He was shy. <laughs> Who's been there and done it? Yeah, Billy. But no, no, uh, Mar- no. He has not Owen. No, no, definitely not. Um, yeah. And then the other thing: when you're sitting opposite each other in the changing rooms, does his bush, do the curtains match the drapes? Because he's a bit of a redhead on top, isn't he? Wow, there's a couple of things we should say. Yeah, absolutely not. He, he's the next generation. Oh, um, clean yeah, as a yeah, whistle. clean, clean as a whistle. He's going to be coming to you soon. The lid? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a reseed already. Oh, really? Yeah, he has. Unfortunately, good looking lad. Everything's going well for him, but you can't have everything. You can't have everything. Well, the Guinness Pint Predictor, we've mentioned it a few times already. It's back for the Six Nations on the Match Pint app, and you can win pints of Guinness each week during the tournament, as well as match tickets and much more, all by just predicting the outcome of the Guinness Six Nations fixtures every week. 9,370 pints were won this weekend. Drink responsibly. And it's not too late to get involved. Just download the free Match Pint app and enter the code RugbyPod to join our league and go up against Jim and Goody. We've got over 3,000 people in it already. So how are you two getting on? Don't want to talk about it. Well, I, I'm quite happy to talk about no, it. No, no, no. I'm three from three. It. What I found very hard, Goody made a very good point. Now, we don't want to give away the inside info that Goody's given me, but I'm going to give it away because that's what I do because I'm a shit bloke. Um, I was going 
until Goody told me. So I'd go Ireland by five, say 18 um, or 20. That's what I was doing before. And Goody's like, no, you don't want to do an even number. You're best to go an odd number. That's what you said, didn't you? I did. Yeah, that's yeah. what I always think. I always yeah. go for an even number because I like even numbers. But then I forgot what even numbers were. So I was trying to work out. Well, mate, school's been a long time away. But um, yeah, so I changed it to France to four. <laughs> Let's talk about the league then, shall we? And a big shout out to Chris Wallace, Aidan Dreyer, James Ferris, Henry Davidson, Luke Simpson, and Trevor Newman. They all got 59 points from oh. round one. Um, and there's over 3,000 in our league. Do you want to know where you are, Jim? I'll be in the top 50 now because I got three from three, surely. Uh, no. Higher. 652nd. Oh, my word. On 37 points. And where are you, uh, I, I, um, I've got it. What's the next question? <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I am 2,580th. Oh, my word. <laughs> Shocking. Mate, this is, uh, 20 it's, points, mate. It's because of England. I can't back England again. There's been a change of guard here. You're welcome. Matchpine is also a sports pub finder, a free app and a website, so you can use it to find a great sports pub near you to watch all the action during the Guinness Six Nations. Round two is up this weekend, so let's find out who you're going for and by how many in each of the games. So we'll start with France-Italy. Oh, I mean... France by 30. I was going to say that. Let's go France by 29 because that's an odd number. Yeah. Ireland-Wales? Ireland by three. I'm back in Wales. Really? Yeah, I, f- I, I fancy Wales. And Th- now, this now might I'm... change. This might change for me. I want to see the teams. Just so yeah, you know. That's, that's what I'm saying. That now. That's fair. what I did last week. That is fair. Um, Wales by four. And the one we've all been waiting for, the Calcutta Cup, Scotland v England. Scotland by six. And I genuinely hand on heart believe that. A six-day turnaround for England. The unknown at Scrum Half, The unknown at eight. The unknown at centre. So it's now down to the Scotland troops. And they might bring me in for a pre-match talk the night before, the night before. This is it. Scotland should win this game. That's hand on heart what I think, having looked at the two performances at the weekend. Again, a six-day turnaround for England from Paris to London to Edinburgh. Come on, the boys. Let's keep it home. It's not even It's not even bringing it home. Keep it home. Goody. I'm nervous. We can see it. I think England... Mate, this is your credibility on the line here, your match point predictor. England by 50. Uh, No, uh, I am generally nervous. I think, you know, of course I'm going to have to back England. Why? It's one of them, your heart says one thing in your head. So what's your head saying? My head's saying Scotland. (laughs) There we go. It genuinely is. Okay. Um, But I'm too proud to to back the Scots. You're in denial. England by six. We'll see what the teams are though. I might change my mind. I might change my mind. You wait till our live show in Edinburgh on on, uh, Thursday. I'm going to back Scotland. We'll get a cheer then, one cheer. Yeah, we're trying to get Hoggy in. This might put a bit of pressure on him, but after he dropped the bagpipe on Saturday, we uh, might not be able to pipe him in. And, and, and you've abused his lid as well. Yeah, but maybe be wearing a hat, hopefully. Finn not up for it? I, I spoke to Finn today. Yeah, he's, I don't think he's keen. He said to me, head done, which means head down in Scottish. <laughs> head done, eh? Rumour mill. Any rumours for us or not? Ross Moriarty, big one. Talk of him going to Leicester. I think he's getting banded out about a bit. Matt Kvesic? Yeah. Two... Bristol's. Bristol's. Salary cap. Before we get into a couple of social media questions, we did a new feature last week, didn't we? Yes, we did. For our Supervan subscription service at patreon.com. We just answered a few more of the listeners' questions and uh, delved into big topics like what Goody has from the Chinese. Yeah, we called it, we we were that intelligent, we've called it questions and answers. Chances. (laughs) Chances. Which is shit questions and shit answers, Get but it. it was good fun. Jim told us uh, what his favourite biscuit was, all sorts of stuff, and some serious rugby questions as well. So we thought we'd play you a little clip of that now, just to give you a taste of what's on offer over at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. So we've got a good one to uh, kick off with. At 
Tbor74. At Tbor. Oh, Tbags. Oh, Tbags. He says, or she says. Yeah, you I don't know. know. You got to be. Well, if it's called Teabag, I, what about I, I they? would imagine it's a woman. It could be they. Oh, I get what you're doing. Be careful. Non binary. Yeah. yeah. Um, why are so many Premiership nines bald or balding? Simpson, Hines, Townsend, others have got biscuits too. And don't get me started on Danny Kerr and what he's trying to do to cover up his. Yeah, his, he is. Yeah. He's trying to cover up. Yeah. I had a chat with Danny Kerr about it actually because he's similar to me. He's not bold, bold, but he's thinning slightly. And you see every time he's on TV. It's wet. When it's wet, he's always looking at the big screen and then he's like licking it, putting a bit of liquor do on it. Sweeps it over, doesn't he? It's an interesting question, actually. The worst case of boldness I've seen in nines is Dad Robson, the ball lad. Yeah. Mate. But he's taking it on the chin, look, hasn't he? Mate, he, he has. He used to cover it up. And, you know, I've been there with shit hairdos in my career. And, you know, for years and years and years, I fought it. I thought, I'm going to grow it out at the back. My God, it was horrid. Let, let the front um, recede from my from its forehead I wouldn't even call it receding it was literally it was bolder than a bowling ball <laughs> good at the back though wasn't it strong at the back defined good there was a lot of hair yeah. that's what we should say uh, but yeah there is a few of them isn't there is it something about scrum halves as a, as a position do they get their head in places that they well, should you know, you, uh, scrum halves are always I mean I like scrum halves and you get on with them because I was a 10 right but scrum halves are genuinely the annoying little characters that I reckon you maybe get someone in a headlock and give them the old head rub the old nuggy or whatever you called it. So I reckon they've had it all rubbed off because they're quite gobby, quite annoying. And, you know, some of them are full-on slappers like Willie Hines, Joe Simpson. Joe Simpson thinks he's Jason Statham's lookalike. What? Who said that? No, he's like John Statham or something. I have no idea. He says it himself. Jane, you mean? Yeah. Uh, um, so, yes, pebble heads everywhere. I think it's because they've got shit jeans. As in the jeans they wear on their legs? Or? No, as in like the jeans that are inside the body that are in the oh, stomach okay. stomach bio. Is this you being a doctor again? But this is me being a physician, yeah. <laughs> uh, and an anthropologist. Um, shit jeans, they're small. Yeah. If you're small, you've got shit jeans, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you're the ones that get eaten first. Like me, I'm 6'9 with heels and, you know, shredded up to the hills. And a full head of hair. Full head of hair. Lies. Prove it. Well, exactly. I can see a lot of biscuits on top of your head. Okay. And I like my biscuits. I'm, I'm sure you do. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you fancy having a listen to that in full and lots of other great content too. Before we ask one or two social media questions, we haven't had an entry for our Fit 15 for a little while. Do you want to put someone else in? I think we're back row now, aren't we? Easy for me. Oh, go on. Luke Abraham, a.k.a. The AK-47. See what I've done there? AKA. Let's just say AKA-47. It sounds better. So he's in there. <laughs> Without doubt. You've not seen a body like it in your life. Caveman as well. Caveman rig. Yeah. Smooth. Always smooth. And uh, good rugby player as well. Bit dirty sometimes. Um, but mate, he's he's in there for a number of reasons that we probably cannot share. Now, the watershed of the podcast has been reduced to 47. Hell of a bloke as well, isn't he? No bush. I was going to say yeah, a bush. Well, that right. naturally goes hand in hand, but he ain't. Absolutely no bush. Uh, and in the backs, I think I'm on the ding a ling aren't I? We had Tom Evans on one wing. On the other wing, I'm going to go friend of the show, Ben Foden. Oh. No, you're not sure, not happy with that. Foden's a good looker. He can sing. He can dance. Arguably. Arguably. Yeah. Well, he's celebrity, he was on Celebrity X Factor. He's a good looking boy. He's got his teeth done. Good lid on him. Uh, I'm going Ben Foden on the other wing. I've got a coach as well for a couple of weeks' time. Really? You need a coach yeah, on every team. Of course you do. And most coaches are absolutely hanging, but I've got one. There's a few hanging coaches yeah. out there. I'm looking forward to that. I'll have a think as well. Julian Constance, is Bernard LaRue the modern-day Jim Hamilton? I mean, but Bernard LaRue? I mean, Julian Constance. Are you constipated, Julian, or what? Because comparing Bernard LaRue to Jim Hamilton 
is like comparing me to Freddie Meshalak to Dan Carter. I mean, no, well, no, it's no, no, it's not, not quite. I'd say more comparing you to Freddie Meshalak. Why? Two shit blokes. Uh, <laughs> shit leads. Why is why is Meshalak a shit bloke? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why, why that was the first that came to mind. Why I don't know. Well, you're being horrible to me. Um, Bernard Lapoot, sorry, Larue. Well, he's a back row, second row convert. But based on that performance at the weekend, I mean, I was in the top 10, arguably, uh, top two or three in recent weeks with in, the Saracen stuff that's come out. In your dreams. Would he be up there? I think after the weekend's performance, yeah, he would. And uh, fair play to him as well. That's all I can say. He is way better than Jim was. That's what I'm saying. All right. And Huey would like to know, what type of biscuits were the video refs eating during the France-England game? They must have been good. Figs. Ah, yeah, figs. How horrible are they? I like figs. (laughs) Absolutely no doubt. Uh, They're good for you though, figs, aren't they? (laughs) Define good one because they're fruit. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of your five a day. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's obviously the one about whether it was a knock-on from Olivon. I mean, I, I was actually okay with it. I, you know, Nigel Owens wasn't completely convinced, was he? So I actually, you know, sometimes when it, when it goes against your team, you, you feel hard done by. I didn't feel that hard done by. I thought that it came off Courtney Laws. So he had a load of biscuits, that bloke. And he, you could see the frustration, though. He's got his tie on, green tie and grey suit. Didn't really match. I'm, I don't know whether that was that the... Six Nations uniform. Mate, you're asking the wrong man, mate. Don't, I don't wear a uniform. But you could see him go, getting frustrated. And when, you, when it pans in, um, in um, him on, in the box, he's like that, trying to speed it on. And yeah, no, 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 no. This is France. We will not show you the best picture to see if it is knock on. Allez, allez. Fucking rest on my butt. Mate, tackle it. <laughs> mate, tackle it. Not, not a con. Play on, play on. Right, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you by Lovell Rugby again this week, isn't it, Goody? Yeah, the biggest online rugby retailer in the world are still on board. Yes, they are. You are welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Yep, they are. And RugbyPod listeners get 15% off everything on their website, including all the latest Six Nations gear, boots and training wear. So just head to lovell-rugby.co.uk and enter the code rugbypod15 that's rugbypod15 to get your hands on all that stash with 15% off uh let's start off with a good and we'll get away from the six nations for a minute and we shall talk super ruggers what's happened the Sunwolves, who have been booted out of super rugby i think at the end of this season round one they lost all their players to the japanese top league so it's a bunch of misfits thrown together like ben Tio. And they beat the Rebels round one. No one's given them a chance this year. And they get the victory. So uh, tip of the slipper to them. Uh, what else was good? Jim's favourite team, Harlequins oh, Rugby. Mate. I mean, it- First 15. They thrashed Exeter's under 12s down at Sandy Park. Congratulations to you They're guys. in the final. Congrats. <laughs> oh, why do you hate them so much, I, I'm just saying, I'm genuinely saying congratulations. I did watch a bit of it. Don Brandt again. Don Brandt, how well did he play right. again? Well, there you go, mate. Eddie. I did watch him. Uh, so, yeah, that was good. What else was good? We'll go to the B6 Nations. Georgia's Vasil Lobzanadze. Oh, yeah? He Lobzanadze, or Lobzanadze, his yeah. name is. He's become the youngest player to ever reach 50 caps for the, his country. Uh, how old is he? Um, he's beaten George North's record, and he is 23, Jim. Mate, all right. 50 caps at 23. Mate, good on him. You still thought you were English at that point, didn't you? No, uh, I just made my debut, mate. Um so fair play to him. Italy under 20s uh, beat Wales away from that. home. Mm. You know, we're bagging Italy's first team, but fair play, the under 20s, I saw that result and I'm like, can the first team repeat it the next day? No, they can't. A rhetorical question. Yeah. That was answered. And I think it was a, it, there was a Welshman at Scrum Half, a guy that was born and bred in Wales at Scrum Half for Italy and played very well. Um, sticking with Wales, we'll mention Wales. Wales were very good, uh, especially Josh Adams. He can't stop scoring another hat-trick. Nick Tompkins has taken to international rugby like a duck to water, James. 
Did you get that one? Yeah, I know that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was outstanding. Uh, try on debut as well. Hell of a finish. Uh, sticking in the Six Nations, Josh Van der Flip, uh, Van der Fleer, not Van der Flipflop, Van der Gewer. Josh Van der Fleer, how good was he again? Ridiculous. Around the breakdown, me old red scrum cap. Mate, you wear red somewhere on your body, good things happen, right? Underlay, underlay, but That's what I used yeah, to yeah. think, anyway. Uh, fair play to him, he was outstanding. Uh, Johnny Sexton. Lid. The lid, just the lid. I was at it. Just the lid. lid. Well, he got 19 points and he played pretty well, but the lid looked sharp. Uh, he looked a lot younger. He's tried to fade out the greys. Smart. Coming in. He's gone for the John Cooney. Um, that was pretty good. You can tell a lot by a man's head. The back of his head, how many rolls he's got. How many have I got? I reckon you've probably got about 15 to 18 rolls <laughs> in the back of your head. Can't see it, mate. Full like lid. an overweight British bulldog. Full lid of hair there, Jim. Don't bring dogs into it, mate. Yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sad, times. sad times. Um, England women. Beating France 19-13 in Poe for their first Six Nations win in France since 2012. Emily Scarrett. Player of the match. Woman of the match. See what I've done? Yes. Because it was a woman's game and yep. it's not man. Yep. So woman. She was outstanding at outside centre to be fair to her. Really good from them. It wasn't a great game of rugby. It wasn't a great spectacle, but KG Fair, they came through it. Two back-to-back wins now. They beat them in November as well. So well done the England women's, the England roses, the England red roses. Get it? Because, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we'll go to France now, shall we? Please. Anthony Bouthier's kick from one try line to pretty much the other try line. Oh, my boots. I mean, yeah. das boot. Oh, yeah. my boots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're wise, I just add value every yeah, you day. You do, you do. Hell of a nudge. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, Charles Olivant, his performance, Dupont. You could keep naming them all. Uh, it was outstanding. Gregory Aldrit. Born in condom. Born in condom. Imagine being born in a condom. I mean, I don't think it's is it possible? possible. I don't. Well, think I'm sure it is. I'm sure you could plop out into it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, again, I am. Well, I should be a qualified doctor to answer that, but it's something that I cannot answer. It's something that I will research and ask you the should. questions. You should. But uh, overall, the France back row is phenomenal. But the good this week goes to my mate Sean Edwards. Oh, oh, you bleeder! Oh, oh Sean, mate, oh, get the tea bags mate, out, mate. Big tackle, get offline, get off deck. Oh, oh smashed, I don't care if you brought your arm, you brought your leg. Get in line and oh, make some tackles. Oh, get me Ali, fish and chips. Oh, Ali, tea bag. Ali, 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 <laughs> Ali, tea bag. Mercy. Uh, yeah, Sean Edwards. What an impact he's had. Uh, France made 175 tackles and only missed 11, and they were big physical tackles too. So, oh, get tea bags out. Sean Edwards and tea bags. Absolutely smash them. Physical. Or rest on bar. I have this thing that Northerners like tea, hence why I kept saying tea bags. And it wasn't; it was the tea, it was drinking. Oh, you were tea. talking about tea bags, not tea bagging. No, tea, right, tea bags right, in, in a cup. There we go. So uh, the goo this week goes to Sean Edwards. Tea bags, <laughs> smash him. Uh, the bad, um, a fair bit of bad actually. Caelan Doris, poor thing, got knocked out three minutes into his debut. Mate, he's been awesome for Leinster this year. And I then, think he had a monster carrier or a monster, monster hit before he got KO'd. Turnover as well. Yeah, yeah mate. He, was, he was he was going well it three was minutes a in. As well. um, that was pretty bad for him. Also, the injuries, ring rose, his finger. Oh my finger. Ty Furlong as well with his what looked like a pretty serious knee injury. Mm. Pretty bad for Ireland. Um, what else was bad? Italy. Hammered at 42-0 in Cardiff. We've spoken about it. Not a good start for them. Uh, their defence was shocking at times. And it's been five years since they won a game in the tournament. What else was bad? The Hurricanes. Over in Super Ruggers. We'll go back to Super Ruggers. Uh, got absolutely nilled over in South Africa. The Stormers uh, were a very strong outfit. Jamie Roberts made his debut. I mean, he needs my hair surgeon, definitely. But uh, yeah, they got nilled. 27-0, the Hurricanes. 
It's not often Kiwi teams don't score any points at all. So uh, that's pretty bad from them. But the bad this week, there's only one man for it. You're not going to guess. You are going to guess. Eddie Jones flogged his players in training, apparently, in Portugal. Got his team selections all wrong. Pick players in their right positions, Eddie. You gave France their team talk by saying, we're going to show you brutal physicality and what Test Rugby's all about. You got it all wrong last week, Eddie. Suck it up this week. Don't say anything. Pick players in their rightful positions and all will be good again, my friend. Um, and then the ugly. We mentioned it earlier. Unfortunately, the ugly, although he's got very nice hair now, Johnny Sexton going down, holding his face uh, when it didn't look like there was a massive amount of contact. He did get caught, but he's gone down. He's looked at the touch, has then gone down like it's a dive to try and get the TMO to look at it. No place in that for the game for me at all. If, you, if you've got a problem, just ask everybody say, can you get the TMO to look at it? That's the only way of doing it. If you've got issues, not falling back on your backside and on your back and holding your face like you've literally broken your jaw. So uh, Johnny Sexton, let's stamp that out of our game, my friend. Thanks, Goody. And uh, you've got a shout out to finish with, haven't you, Jim? Yeah, I have. It's a, a sad one, but also um, a very positive one as well. Scunthorpe Rugby Union Football Club, RUFC, are trying to raise awareness and £50,000 for men's mental health support group one for the lads it's in memory of their first team player James Walker who took his own life recently Um, they're organising loads of events to raise money but want to encourage guys to get together and talk openly and talk about their issues and their struggles as well so just head to the Just Giving pages and type in Scunthorpe RUFC or James Walker if you want to help them out and it's a big shout out from here from the Rugby Pod from myself Goody and Tim. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. And thanks to all of you for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. Rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. pod.